a good closure for last week. We talked about confessing. Well, we, we confess Christ before men, and Christ professes us before the Father. And I had a, had a scripture that I wanted to read this morning as a way of closing that because it's, it's, uh, it's so uh, final. I love it. And it comes from, guess where, Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Amen. Jesus will one day, will one day confess our names in glory to the Father. Isn't that a beautiful portrait, a beautiful truth? The I Will series, the I Will series. When Jesus calls, don't put him on hold. Tony Evans says, if you ain't fishing, you ain't following. God's I Will statements. If Jesus says, I will, what is going to be left undone? Does Jesus ever do anything in a half-hearted way? Has he ever left anything incomplete? Well, his second coming, but uh, it's coming. He will forgive if we repent. He will save if we believe. And I share those two I wills with you because sometimes it's conditional. It's conditional. Whenever our will matches his will, his will will be accomplished in our lives. Let's stand at the reading of the word of God this morning. We'll be in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee... He saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Thank you for the song selections this morning. Praise Steve. Verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Father, that's a, that's a pretty radical piece of scripture. Pretty radical examples. I just hope that we're radical enough to, to accept it. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the conviction it brings to our hearts and the equipping it does in our lives. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I want us to please notice the key that opens up the life that Christ intends for us to have. Follow me. Follow me. 
and I will make you fishers of men. I mentioned Dr. Tony Evans, and he comments to the principle of if you're not fishing, you're not following. He goes on to say, if your Christian life does not involve evangelizing the lost, you're not functioning like the disciple Jesus intends you to be. Not every believer is called to be a full-time Christian, called to a full-time Christian vocation, but every believer is called to be a full-time Christian. Jesus is calling out his people. We mentioned this last week. He's calling out his people. And so the question is, are you going to fish or cut bait? Are you going to fish? Are we going to fish? Or we're going to cut bait? Let's follow the progression of our Lord's I will statement. And it begins with, if Jesus calls, it is a relentless calling, give up. Give up. As Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. Why were they doing that? Why were they casting a net into the sea? To catch fish. The scripture says why they were casting the net into the sea. They were fishermen. <laughs> they, fishermen cast nets into the sea, right? Then he said to them, follow me. Notice the words Jesus spoke to Peter and Andrew. He did not say, he did not say, Follow my teaching. Now, be careful. I, I don't want you taking this out of context, but, but listen to the flow. He did not say, follow my teaching. He did not say, follow my morality. He did not say, follow my rules. He said, follow me. You see, all of those other things come with Jesus. <laughs> but we first got to follow him. It's, it's just, I, I'm, I'm going to refer to it later. It's, it's an obsession, Listen, to, this is a good thing. It's an obsession with the person of Jesus Christ. Follow him. Watch him. Listen to him. Study him through the word of God. He said, follow me. Following Jesus is about a relationship. A relationship. You see, even the religious leaders looked at Christ and said, boy, he's, he's quite a teacher. And they still missed the Messiah. They still miss the Messiah. So, so put this all together. His teachings are true. They're valuable. They're essential to our lives. But we cannot even understand his teachings or have applications of a teaching if we're not following Jesus, the person, and in a personal relationship with him. When you look at the context of, of the first four chapters of Matthew, it's, it's really fascinating. In, in Matthew 1, we see Jesus is the Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of David, born in Israel's line of kings. He's Emmanuel. In Matthew 2, he's the sovereign king that the wise men come to worship. He's one, of the, he's, he's the one that the Old Testament prophets, Micah and Jeremiah, said would come in. In Matthew 3, we see he's the Savior, King, and righteous judge. He is the one John the Baptist spoke of. And when John baptized him, the Father declared from heaven, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He is filled with the Spirit and love of the Father. In Matthew 4, he's the new Adam who lived the perfect life. He's the light of the world. Jesus came teaching, preaching, and healing. This is no ordinary invitation, folks. 
This isn't your average invitation to a birthday party or any kind of a celebration of an anniversary or whatever it is. This is the God of heaven and earth, the creator and sustainer of all things that is saying, come, follow me. What an invitation. What an invitation. He is worthy of our total abandonment and supreme adoration. Have you ever really followed Jesus? I'm not, I'm not asking if maybe you walked an aisle, prayed a prayer, made a decision, signed a card. Have you ever really come to a point in your life that following Jesus is all that matters? All that matters. We too often don't sing, wherever he goes, I'll follow. We sing, wherever I go, I hope he catches up. Don't waste your life on frivolous living. Don't do it. Don't be satisfied with the okay and the ho-hum. The call demands a decision. And who has the best plan for our lives? Who has it? Do we have the best plan for our lives? Too often we make our plans and ask God to join us. Or as I said, we take off and hope Jesus catches up. Oh God, bless me in my endeavor. Failure, <laughs> failure, doomed to failure. And notice that Jesus did not ask for a convenient time. Hey boys, could you put me on your, your calendar you know, get out your little your 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 cell phone there and, and and put a date in. You know, maybe a week from now, and this little alarm goes off, and you'll remember. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I had an appointment with Jesus today. Hey guys, when you get a free moment, when you get a free moment, could you just uh, just come over and talk to me a little bit? As I shared with the children, and I will share with you. I believe that one of Satan's biggest curses on the church is keeping her busy. In all of our individual lives, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Satan loves to keep us busy because that keeps us from being productive for the kingdom of God. We can be so busy that we become satisfied with accomplishing nothing just because we were busy. Christianity is not a part-time life, it is full-time living. And there is no such thing as when the Lord says, follow me, there is no such thing as a yes but. No, not in the text. All in or all out. I, uh, I, I, I love a, an, an old gospel song. I didn't even bring it with me. Michelle, I was, I was going to sing it. Well, I ain't supposed to sing it. Step into the water. That old gospel song, step into the water. Go out a little bit deeper. That's the call to the Christian life. That's the call. It is a relentless calling. Now, I don't know if you've ever got into any healthy discussions with the Lord or not. Anybody ever had a healthy discussion with the Lord? 
in which you were absolutely certain you could convince him you're right? Yeah, you ever tried that one? Well, folks, I want to tell you something from the very deep of my heart. I tried to leave the ministry once. I tried. I was done. I was done. And I tried to leave the ministry. I tried to leave here. I tried to leave home. I tried to leave ministry. I know what a relentless calling is. And it wasn't until I was ready to give up my pride and swallow all of that self-sufficiency. I actually need to regurgitate it and get rid of it. If God's putting a call on your life, give up. Give up whatever it is. Now, I hope I made the right decision by coming back into ministry. But God would not let me go. Praise God he would not let me go. When I was unfaithful, he was faithful. And I mean unfaithful to my calling. He remained faithful. What a God! What a God we serve who takes into consideration our weakness, our brokenness, our frailty, our inability, our incapability, all of the things that are just absolutely worthless to him. He covers with his grace, says, give it up, come back, follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. That's a wonderful God. That's a wonderful God. You see, because even I had to learn, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about him. It's a relentless calling. Secondly, it's a restless calling. Give in. So first you give up and then you give in. God is not interested in what we can do for him. Do we need to say that again? God is not interested in what we can do for him. His glory comes through what he does through us. This is his delight. So we, we receive the call and then the change. And I will make you fishers of men. We do not make him, he makes us. Are you there? He loved us, he sought us, he bought us, he chose us. The God who chose Adam and Noah and Abraham, Moses, David and the disciples has chosen us, his people, his church to take his good news to the world in which we live. We come to Jesus as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. Amen. Any fisherman knows that you don't clean the fish before you get them in the boat. Any fisherman knows that, right? He did not call them because of what they had to offer or what they brought to the table. He made them into what they could become. Instead of looking for fish all over the lake, they would spread the gospel all over the world. What a deal. Who could do that besides God himself? And this same God knew where the fish was too. Remember later on in, in, in John's gospel, he knows where the fish are too. Sometimes we're just about six feet away from a big catch. It's a matter of moving the net from this side of the boat to this side of the boat. Isn't that cool? He knows where the fish are at. 
God wants us to use our profession, fisher of men. God turned their vocation into a calling, just like God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. We are born to reproduce. We are born again to reproduce. We are found to find others, saved to see others saved. You may say, I can't do that. Praise God. It's not up to us. It's up to him. It is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. God would supernaturally enable these men to do what they could not do on their own. Jesus said, I will make you done, finished. I will make you fishers of men. It is not information that we need. It's transformation. Transformation. Restlessness is the the state of not being where you ought to be. Well, if you're living in the wrong state, relocate. Don't pack up, leave everything behind and start a new life in a new state. Restlessness is a good thing for the believer. It is the compelling, stirring, driving obsession to share Christ with others. Jesus desires each of us to live in a serving, witnessing relationship with him. He calls us to lead the world and all the crazy, worthless things in it and have that word again I've used and have an obsession with and be totally obsessed with him. That's a good thing. Jesus wants us to be what we were created to be, and the fall took away. He can now restore and empower and send. Caution. Don't make a ministry your obsession. Do you hear me? Don't make your ministry or a ministry your obsession. Make sure Christ himself is our obsession. Too many people exalt what they do rather than the Christ it is done for. Be weary when someone continually talks about my ministry, my ministry, my ministry. Very rarely will that be a God-honoring, Christ-exalting fruit-bearing ministry because it's not owned by Christ. It's owned by the individual. I want to read just a, a short excerpt from Oswald Chambers. He writes, Can a sinner be turned into a saint? Can a twisted life be made right? There is only one appropriate answer. Oh, Lord God, you know. Never forge ahead with your religious common sense and say, Oh, yes, with just a little more Bible reading, devotional time and prayer, I see how that can be done. It is much easier to do something than to trust in God. We see the activity and mistake panic for inspiration. That is why we see so few fellow workers with God, yet so many people working for God. We would much rather work for God than to believe in Him. Do I really believe that God will do in me what I cannot do? The degree of hopelessness I have for others comes from my never realizing that God has done anything for me. It is my own personal experience, such a wonderful realization of God's power and might that I can never have a sense of hopelessness for anyone else I see. Has any spiritual work been accomplished in me at all? The degree of panic activity in my life is equal to the degree of my lack of personal spiritual experience. Wow! 
Behold, O my people, I will open your graves. When God wants to show you what human nature is like separated from himself, he shows it to you in yourself. If the Spirit of God has ever given you a vision of what you are apart from the grace of God, and he will only do this when the Spirit is at work in you, then you know that in reality there is no criminal half as bad as you yourself could be without his grace. Look out. My grave has opened, God said, and I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. God's Spirit continually reveals to his children that human nature is like a part from his grace. It's like a grave. It's much easier to do something than to trust God. Much easier, much easier to do God's work in attempt than to let God work through us. Each one of us has been given a ministry by God. It might be a ministry within the church. It might be a ministry where you help others outside the church. But there is something all of us have been called to do. There is not a person in this sanctuary this morning who is a born-again believer that hasn't been called to be fishers of men. It doesn't exist apart, apart, separated from the gospel. We are all called to that degree, to that ministry, to somehow carry it out under the inspiration and power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that we all leave here this morning restless. Oh, pastor, I come to feel good. I come to get my nerves calmed. I, I, I come to relax. No, I don't need it. <laughs> it is a relentless calling. It is a, and give up. It is a restless calling. Give in. And when Jesus calls, it is a rewarding calling. Give all. Give all. You see, the call separates and sanctifies and then sends. It demands a response. Follow me, Jesus says. Follow me. Now comes the obedience. Now comes the commitment. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. He called them. He called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed. I love the, the way that, 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 that Matthew adds that under the inspiration, leading the Holy Spirit. He, he uses that word immediate. Immediate, he used it twice. Immediate, the urgency. Well, Jesus, wait just a minute. Whoa, 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 Jesus. I want to see a job description. And I would really like to see an itinerary. Where are we going, right? And that would be our natural response. Where are we going? Well, now, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute, Jesus. You see this net here? That's how I make a living. That's how I feed my family. Surely you understand that. I mean, doing a day trip with you? <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. I'd like to hang out with you for a day, but I got to be back in the boat fishing. Because if I follow you, nobody is going to take care of my family. Look out. Look out. What did I just say? I just said that the Son of God is going to call us and then not be able to take care of us. You see? Guys, 
we got to quit thinking up excuses because they don't work. They don't work. I've sure shared this story, I know, a, a, a dozen times, but it, it's so impressed upon my heart, I'm going to share it with you one more time. I was going down the road one day, headed for a call down in South. Uh, this was many, many years ago in the call to ministry. And, and I was headed for Wolf Creek Generating Plant. You all know where that's at. I was headed down there to work on some of their equipment. And, and uh, uh, you know, the Lord, the Lord just opened up the car windows and shouted in. Said, I'm calling you to the ministry. I rolled up the windows. I was busy. I was busy. And the entire universe was dependent on my accomplishing my mission. Right? And that's all I heard from the Lord for a while. I shared that with my wife. And, and, and listen, this was, this was a big move, a major move in our life. I shared that with my wife, and she said, well, let's pray about it. Best thing we ever did. God did call us to the ministry. And you know what? He's taken care of us ever since. He's taken care of us ever since. So I was going down the road one day, getting ready to fly out of the country and on a mission trip. Several years down the road, I've had my, my, my say now. I've got the Lord kind of on my side, and, and we've got everything turned around, and I'm in charge. And, and you know, I'm going down the road, and, and, and I wasn't feeling good. I said, Lord, I can't, I can't take this flight. I can't, I can't go overseas right now because here's the reason. Here's the, this is a good one. This is a good one because nobody will be here to take care of my family. And Connie's not feeling well, so I can't go. Lord rolled down the window, shouted inside. So you're afraid to go because nobody is here to take care of your family while you're gone. That's right. You got it. I know you'd see it my way. And he said, who do you think takes care of them when you're here? Look out. Guys, I'm, I'm a slow learner. <laughs> but I pray and I praise God that he is so patient. He is so patient. He is so patient and kind. You see, they responded with their immediate obedience. I wish I could say that. They did not know where, but they knew who was calling them at this point? They were following Jesus. They were following. The time to follow Jesus is now. They left behind their fishing nets, boats, careers, commercial fishermen, livelihood, family businesses, generations of fishermen. Following Jesus means we abandon our sin and our shame. It means to abandon our will for his will, our way for his will, or his way. Following Jesus means we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. We live for one thing and one thing alone, and that's to follow King Jesus. That's it. That's what we live for. That's what we exist for. And, folks, the beauty of this is that this sounds labor to burdensome or, or, or some kind of a negative aspect of this. This is the fullness of life that Christ promises. Following him is the fullness of life that he promises and desires all of his kids to have. It's a blessing. 
But let's place ourselves in the story. What would we have done? What would we have done in their positions? Some might keep on fishing. Some might keep mending their nets. But really, we just need to talk about what drives our lives. What drives our lives? What is it that controls my life? What kind of relationship do I want with Jesus? The question simply, what kind of relationship does Jesus want with me and with all of us? Too many today do not have that kind of relationship with Jesus. They're driven by selfish desires, and it grieves our Lord. Full-time service, full-time service for the King of King. One author puts it this way in summary. One never knows himself till he denies himself. The altar of sacrifice is the touchstone of character. Whatever appetites that we have, when they are filled, they will overpower our soul and force themselves into our actions. If those appetites are fleshly and worldly, if they are not restrained by the work of the Spirit, they will exhaust and consume us. But if a man will give himself to the hungers of revival, of prayer, of spiritual desire, so much can be accomplished for God. The call to drop their nets and leave them behind brought Peter and his brothers to fill their lives with a higher and greater purpose. To that point in life, their chief business had been fishing, but all changed when the Lord asked them to serve him. That calling of life will come to all of us. Jesus came to a world that was absorbed in a struggle for physical existence and perhaps even more to pile up that wealth to show that someone had passed this way. But life is more than just the accumulation of things. The call challenges us to turn our attention from the problem of making a living to making a life. Brothers and sisters, that's where the rubber meets the road. I've heard that you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but Jesus can teach a fisherman how to fish. If we ain't fishing, we ain't following. And Jesus always catches fish. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? Didn't the Lord ever ask you silly questions? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. Folks, that's following Jesus. But how many will live their lives? Oh, the size of them fishing boats weren't very big, probably six to eight foot across at the most. How many people will live their lives separated from the fullness of life by about six feet? Six feet. Failure, success. Do it my way or do it the Lord's way. For most of us, that's two steps. 
two steps. Are, are, are we satisfied with being that close and yet completely miss the life that the creator of the universe, the creator of every human being in this place, are we willing to accept that as good enough? Or are we willing to pull up the net and throw it on the other side? Or are we willing to drop the net and just simply follow him? Shared a couple, three stories this morning, personal. Sometimes I get a little nervous when I do that. But I guarantee you, there may be one or two in here that's just as bullheaded as I am. You talking about Rod? Well, I get an amen and she's pointing at her husband. Yeah, what kind of deal is that? Folks, I hope we've had a little fun today. Just a little bit of fun in the midst of such serious issues. Serious issues. The souls of people. The souls of people hang in the balance. And God has commissioned us. He has invited us. I can't get my head around that. Why he would invite us. Well, just say me. <laughs> to follow him. How could we say no? How could we say no? Father, thank you for the call. Thank you for the call of abundant and free living. Thank you for the call of having the privilege of living out our lives under the direction of he who created us and knows every fiber of our being, knows more about us than we know about ourselves, and you have a perfect plan for our lives if we'll just drop the net and follow you. So whatever's keeping us busy, whatever's keeping us occupied, whatever we think we own, whatever we think we're doing for your glory, help us stop. Help us just stop and find out exactly what you want out of each of our lives. For it's in Christ's name and for his glory that we pray.